when the latest protests over George Floyd fired up, Seattle was one of the cities where there were some of the biggest confrontations. Our colleague Jim Carlton is a reporter based on the West Coast. There were peaceful demonstrations during the day, marches, vigils. But then as night would fall, the protests would uh, kind of get centered in the Capitol Hill district near the Seattle Police Department's East Precinct. There'd be a kind of a wall of officers, you know, in riot equipment. Bottles would start flying, projectiles hitting officers. Then they would fire back with tear gas. I talked to a medic who actually is a volunteer at these protests on the side of the protesters. He's got a big red cross and he was telling me about all the injuries that they had to treat. Burns to eyes, rubber bullet wounds. So it was very, very violent. It was like every night. There was tear gas going into people's homes. There were store owners complaining. It was hurting businesses. And so there was negotiations, you know, trying to diffuse the tensions, not only between protesters and police, but also with the mayor, Jenny Durkham. Eventually, the mayor moved to end the confrontations. She ordered the police in that area to abandon their police station. And when the cops left, the protesters moved in. The protesters crossed out the name police and they wrote in people, the Seattle Police Department's East Precinct. It's been renamed Seattle People Department, the People Department, not police. The protesters declared the six blocks around the station an autonomous zone, run by the people and free of police. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, June 15th. Coming up on the show, inside Seattle's autonomous zone, where Black Lives Matter protesters are pushing for change in the most dramatic way yet. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, known affectionately as CHAZ, is in the Capitol Hill Arts and Entertainment District, about a mile you know, from the city's downtown area. And it's basically kind of a new city occupied by Black Lives Matter protesters. Protesters took control of this area last Monday. And since then, they've been continuously occupying those six blocks. I was actually pretty nervous about going in there because you've heard all the reports of tear gas, confrontations, looting, uh, you know, reporters getting roughed up by both police and protesters. So I was actually very nervous. And I went in there and you see these orange barricades and I was expecting some kind of checkpoint, like you have to show an ID. I had my press badge ready and all that. And basically they didn't even really pay attention to me. I just walked in and my impression was more like street party. There's people doing 
chalk art on the sidewalk. There's a giant Black Lives Matter in the middle of the street. The letters are like 19 feet long, so gigantic. And artists were like painting inside each block, you know, uh, so very, very colorful. There's a restaurant. There's a place called Bravo's Taco. People are lined up for burritos and tacos. There's a park. The lights were on, almost like there would be a soccer game. And there's people, you know, in little groups with a speaker down by one end of the park, and they're and they're doing speeches on anti-racism, etc. What would you compare it to? This reminds me somewhat of the Occupy movement or Burning Man without the techie bros. <laughs> the anti-racism, anti-police brutality theme was everywhere. You see the uh, Black Lives Matter signs. You see anti-Trump signs. The speakers are talking uh, on a bullhorn about we need to rise up. We need to defund the police department. We need to the kind of their list of demands. They want a revolution. I don't think they want piecemeal changes. They want a lot of change. Some protesters came up with a list of demands and have been negotiating with the city over them. Probably the number one demand is to defund the police department. And by defund, not necessarily abolish the police department, but to take away like half their money. They want half of the money that the Seattle Police Department gets now. They want to go to the community, you know, the black community in particular. They want a lot of other things, too. They, they want the mayor to resign. They want the police station to be turned into a community center. They want it gone. And they say that once these demands are met, then they will end the occupation. Has there been progress in what the protesters are negotiating for with the city? They are making progress in their demands. Uh, Mayor Durkham is already and the council already considering taking $100 million and redirect it into the community. So, I mean, I think that is in, you know, direct result of this kind of pressure coming from the protest movement. I think they definitely are trying to meet some of their demands. The city wants to reduce the size of the occupied area so that ambulances and other emergency vehicles can get through. But in some ways, the protesters' aims go beyond that list of demands. I think also what the protesters are trying to prove with Chaz is that there's a fundamentally new way of policing communities without police, without traditional police. They see the police as an occupation force. And they see this police station as kind of um, a symbol of that. And so they want to have more of a community where if there's a problem, then you have an expert to go over and help out or a counselor, you know, counseling. How did you see that vision play out in the autonomous zone? So, I mean, for example, someone had set up outdoor furniture, you know, sofa, you know, tables. And it's to talk about, you know, how we could, as a society, eliminate racism and particularly police violence against blacks, in their words. Along the sidewalk, there's something called the Dream Board, and it's a uh, like a bulletin board filled with hundreds of post-it notes in like pink, blue, orange, and it says, the question is, what is a question you can ask about uh, anti-racism? Around the uh, Cal Anderson Park, uh, which has you know baseball fields, soccer fields, you can see like um, tents were set up along the side there's one tent for free, you know, face mask, you know, sanitizer, water. And then you'd go out into the street and there's a table for chaplains. So if you want to pray to God, there's some chaplains there. And uh, this one chaplain I talked to said, but yeah, people just seem to really be happy to be here, happy to to be helping 
their neighbors uh, and fellow community members. They're just it doesn't seem to be uh, filled with any sort of vitriol or hate uh, towards one another. It's just a, a reimagination of what society and culture could be. He's white. He's very much sympathetic to the the issues that uh, black people have with the police, and so he was there to offer his kind of religious services and spiritual services. He was almost euphoric. He was just so happy because he'd been there for the violent protests. And he said he was just so upset and heartbroken to see just the fighting, fighting. And so he was like really happy. And he's one guy who was saying he wishes this could go on indefinitely. My hope is anyhow that this is this is a new a new way of existing. Uh, you know, the, I'm sure the weather will will deter some folks if, if, it, if it lasts that long through the summer here. But I think this is this is a picture, a glimpse of what uh, what a new way of living could be. So, hopefully, indefinitely. I did talk randomly to a couple of people who live in this area, and they said, you know, um, we don't want this to go on forever. But I mean, you know, we we like this better than the tear gas. We like this better than you know the fights. And so they were actually relieved that the fighting was over more than anything else. But while the tear gas has stopped, fighting is still going on in the autonomous zone. That's after the break. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Welcome back. As Jim walked around the autonomous zone and spoke with protesters, one thing became clear. Nobody's in charge. They were even arguing over the name. I was uh, walking around the park, and there are speakers that uh, will just, you know, talk about whatever they want. And there was a um, African-American man, and he got up and he said, who picked the name Chaz anyway? And he's talking to maybe two or 300 people sitting on the grass. said, did you pick Chaz and, and was, no, 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 no one, no, no one voted for that. And he, so he proposed another name, um, a different acronym, Capitol Hill Occupied Protest, CHA. Then he did a vote on it. And like everybody cheers, says, we want that name. So they can't even agree on the, on the name. The disagreements go deeper than branding. I was there during the day in the middle of a barricaded street. And an African-American woman uh, named Bridget Allen came up with a couple of other people. And she started uh, instructing them, we don't want barricades. Barriers have been put us put on us all of our life. Mm-hmm. And then when you see these barriers and you see these chain link fence, that doesn't resonate with us. We don't want barriers. That's the thing that we're trying to take down, our barriers. So why would we want these here? That doesn't represent who we are. She was saying that she felt like the Black Lives Matter movement had been co-opted. And that I don't want the, the anti-racism issue um, to be co-opted, to be taken over, our narrative. And this is our time to speak. We need action items and we need someone to take leadership. I don't see anything being done. I just see more spectacle. And this spectacle is taking over our message. How do you think Bridget's comments fit into the broader protest movement within Seattle? You know, the Black Lives Matter movement is so big. You have LGBTQ groups, you have uh, environmentalists, you have people that are kind of against capitalism, you have uh, civil rights. I mean, you have a lot of groups 
So it's a little bit unwieldy, a little bit disorganized, but I think it's because you have so many different players involved, and that's what we're seeing in Seattle. With so many different factions, there are competing ideas about what the protesters should be asking for. And because of that, there are questions about when and how the protesters will hand the area back to the city. How do you see this ending? There's really only a few options. It could either end peacefully or not, you know? So obviously, if it doesn't end peacefully, that's going to be bad. I think the city is going to do everything they can to end peacefully because I think that the people there are so committed. To them, it's like a war. And I think that Seattle is... I have to believe that they really want to resolve this situation. And I think they really want to, you know, give the protesters as much as they can to go back to some sense of normalcy in Seattle. And that's what they're negotiating right now. But I mean, there's a peaceful way to end this and, and they could, you know, take it over in the middle of the night. And I think if they did that, that would just start a whole new round of problems. Both sides are trying things that haven't been tried before. And I think the fact that the city of Seattle just turned over an entire neighborhood to protesters in a police station says a lot. You don't see that every day. But this could be part of a tipping point where, you know, things like Chaz, you know, maybe this is what it takes for some of these police farmers to fundamentally change. That's all for today, Monday, June 15th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional audio in today's episode from Henry Benden and Heathcliff at Me via Storyful and from Newsflare. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.